listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of ESL Talk. I'm Faye. And I'm Daniel. Building on our topic of teaching young learners last week, we have another brand new episode all about teaching for immigration purposes. Yes, and this week we'll discuss about the different language tests students take for immigration purposes and how you as a teacher can help your students in achieving their goals. And our special guest today, Maria, um, she's from a company called English for Canada, will be sharing her advice and experience working with students to help prepare them for proficiency tests needed to move to a new country. Yeah, we've both had a little bit of experience on this topic, mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you about this to begin. So tell me, first of all, Faye, what's been your experience with uh, test prep for immigration, maybe as a non-teacher and then also as a teacher? Right, yeah. So as a teacher, like I mentioned um, uh, before, I just mostly worked with IELTS and mostly for speaking. Mm -hmm. um, but my experience with that has been more as an immigrant myself, right? right. I, I had to take the IELTS and a French proficiency test when I went wow. through my Canadian immigration process. Yeah, we at the time we needed like the whole point system thing and we needed a little bit more points. And so we had to take, my husband and I had to take the French proficiency exam as well. So mm -hmm. the IELTS was quite challenging, um, even though I was a completely fluent speaker and also a teacher already at the time. It's just a lot of uh, skills management, right? Time management. I, I learned very quickly that I had no time to read everything in the reading section. I had uh, no second chances for the listening. So if anybody mm -hmm. dropped a bottle or anything and I missed a word, that was it, right? So a yeah. lot to cope with and to uh, accept and come to terms with when it comes to the, the IELTS uh, exam. Mm -hmm. But uh, the biggest challenge for me was the French proficiency test. And because I actually started from zero in the language. Wow. Yeah, we had zero French knowledge. And we're like, so how, okay. long, how long did it take you to get to a we, decent level? Yeah, we, we had lessons for one year. We had a private tutor um, from France and we met her once a week, every week for a couple hours. 
which is not enough unless you're going to do a lot of the work yourself. So it's a good lesson for me as to what our students have to go through, right? And um, we have actually had to do a lot of studying on our own, but we got there. We got the the, the level we needed. It wasn't very high, um, but it was a lot of uh, stress to go through, mm -hmm. like IELTS, French tests, plus the whole immigration process itself. Yeah, it's just so much pressure, right? What Absolutely. about for you? Because you, you're also an immigrant to Canada, but yeah. I don't think you had to do the IELTS test. I did have to do the IELTS you test. You did? Yeah. This is a This is a misconception that a lot of people have, which is understandable. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter your background, your nationality. Um, if you're applying for, um, you know, um, permanent resident status or to immigrate to Canada, you do need to complete a language proficiency test. And wow. I had to do the IELTS exam. <laughs> and you might think, oh, that must have been really easy for you. That must have been mm. like you know like a piece of cake well actually the actual speaking listening reading writing those things were fine but it was like you mentioned the skills management the time management knowing the test process and the procedure and a lot of native speakers really fall down on this because they just think oh it's easy i just have a chat with someone in english mm -hmm. and read something and listen and a lot of them don't perform very well um some yeah. of them get band seven or even below sometimes and they're shocked and they're disgusted mm -hmm. but again it's you know for me I did the academic and I did the general like I did both of them mm -hmm. just to get a feel and you know there's a reason why it's academic because you need academic skills and even in yep. the general test you still need to be able to you know demonstrate that you have followed the instructions and followed what what's yeah. required because if if you're asked to speak for two minutes about something and you speak for 30 seconds then you're not fulfilling what's being asked of you and that's going to affect your score so exactly. um it, it was it was a it was you know it was more difficult than i thought it would be i mean i got i got a, a, a almost perfect score which i should have right. but um mm -hmm, yeah actually but saying. you talk about the listening <laughs> you only get one chance to listen i did yeah. miss one of the answers so yeah there we go. That's why I, I couldn't get my perfect score either. I think yep. I had an 8.5, but it yep. was just like a half a point in the listening and something in the writing as well. Cause you know, exactly. it's just so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so when it comes to students, Faye, do a lot of students, when they come to you to work with you, is it about immigration as their end goal or their final destination? Um, I've been getting more inquiries for that recently because of my Instagram, but I don't really specialize in IELTS or CELPIP or any of those. So I normally refer them to someone else like you or Maria, who we're going to talk to today. Mm -hmm. But I do get a lot of people who are coming to Canada. A lot of my current students are students are, are either immigrants that are already here or are in the process of immigrating. Mm -hmm. And they want to learn more of the actual English spoken right. in Canada and the day-to-day -day conversations and the culture and and that's kind of the focus of my focus right now as well yep. is uh, teaching that like real spoken English or even like written English, but what we actually mm -hmm. use in day-to-day -day interactions. And, and I, I actually of, often get uh, students asking me about the visa processes itself. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm not a consultant. Right. Um, so, so, but there's, there's just a lot that these uh, students deal with. Right. And there's a lot of expectations. So it, it can be really hard for them to even find their way or navigate who to go to. Um, so do you get a lot of these students yourself? 
Yep. Um, I've done a lot of work um, mainly with students who want to immigrate, not just to Canada, but also to the US, to the UK, um, Australia, um, and they need that proficiency either in IELTS or, you know, TOEFL or TOEIC, depending on the country. Um, yeah, so I, I've worked with those kind of students, love them, you know, either nurses or doctors or engineers or you know, they have a pretty extensive background um, and you know their goal is well I need this score because I want to move to x country or I want to live in yeah. y country so it is pretty common right now and and knowing that can be helpful because having gone through the journey myself obviously it, yeah. albeit a different one then I can kind of help them and guide them as well so yeah mm-hmm. I, I do have a lot of experience with that um so I guess connected with that what are some of the problems or the issues Mm -hmm. that you know when you're teaching students who solely just want to immigrate that's the only reason they're learning how do you kind of deal with that well the the stakes are incredibly high the pressure Mm -hmm. is enormous on both the student and the teacher Uh, we mentioned this before too but the expectations are definitely something uh, that needs to be managed and addressed early on Um, students are making life-changing decisions and their future literally depends on their performance on these tests. And they often don't realize that 90% of the work is their own, not the teachers, right? They feel like if I hired uh, Daniel and he's an expert in this, he's going to get me that score. No, he's going to, you're going to facilitate or you're going to guide the students towards that goal, but the work is their own. And I think that that's really challenging. Yeah. Right. What, what do you think? Is that has that been your experience? I would say so. Yeah. A lot of students are not prepared to not all, but some students, they, they're not prepared to kind of realize that they, they're going to have to do a lot of work themselves. And the students that do listen and do try to follow the feedback that they'll generally, you know, achieve the score that they want to. Um, mm-hmm. But some students just think, well, I'll just do. You know, I'll just do the lessons and I, I don't want to do the homework or I don't want to do this. Yeah. And if you, if you just want to practice just conversational, you, you don't have a, an ultimate goal and that's fine. But, right. um, you know, the students need to have that motivation and I can I can guide and provide all the tools. But if you can't you know, get the motivation to do that, then it's going to be difficult. Um, I'll always try to motivate students and push them in a positive way. But yeah. mm-hmm. ultimately, it's, it's up to the students. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And what are some of the main issues you see that um that some of with some of these tests that students fail to address i think when it comes to ielts they they underestimate exactly what the test is and how to successfully navigate it because it is an exam it is testing your skills and it's looking for very specific things so um you know as i'm, as I'm sure we'll we'll hear from maria um it's all about getting those band descriptors printing them off memorizing them yeah, as best yeah. you can because what you want to do essentially is you want to give the examiner what's on the paper that that's how they that's how they assess your yeah. proficiency yeah. so if you give them what they want then that's yeah. fine the checklist um, is right there right so just yeah, make sure you study it <laughs> it's, it sounds easier than said than done of but course yeah provided you you follow that and you you learn that inside out and you practice those skills and those specific types of skills it's not fair because it's not a true reflection to, to a bigger extent mm-hmm. but Again, by providing that, then you're giving them what they want, what they need, and that will help you. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I guess the other one is sometimes you have to do some relearning and students are very resistant to relearning anything Uh, uh, because it's, well, this is how I was taught before, or this is what Mm -hmm. I've done before. But if that isn't working for them and that's why they're in the position they are now, then they need to kind of have an open mind and and ask them to consider things. So that's about negotiation and, and, you know, questioning students well and and working with them um, to help them relearn Mm -hmm. some of those skills. So 
how can we change the mindset of our students to help them mm. be successful? Because I've kind of just touched on it a little, but what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this? Yeah, I think in a more a global sense, speaking as an immigrant myself, um, mm. for immigration, not just for taking the test, students need to take ownership of their own studies, of their performance and their limitations. And I mean, the life of an immigrant is incredibly hard, as you know, and you can't rely on others or blame the government or teachers or whoever for your failures or shortcomings. Um, I mean, you can, but it won't help you. Um, I haven't met a single immigrant who had a smooth sailing immigration process. You know, there's always something, you get something something rejected or uh, a failed test or some missing document that you need to uh, rush to go get, you know, or mm-hmm. uh, something you didn't realize you had to have, or there's always something that will delay your process and nothing will go exactly as you planned. Okay. So it applies to the test as well. And that's just a good, yeah. uh, good mindset to have as an immigrant and as a test taker. Yeah. And kind of just, just building a little bit on what I just said before, I think having an open mind, being aware of, things might be a little bit different to what you might have mm-hmm. done before and just having that open mind and and yeah. trying to to listen to the feedback and take it on board I think is is crucial as well well we have only just started to explore this topic so let's bring in Maria who is going to help us go much deeper into this fascinating discussion hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
Hi, everyone. Welcome to the interview portion of today's podcast. Um, very happy to welcome our guest, Maria. Hi, Maria. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. So we have a few questions that we want to ask you, obviously, about test prep um, and especially for immigration. So, uh, Maria, can you just first tell us a little bit about yourself and your teaching journey so far? Yeah, definitely. Well, I started teaching English uh, over 10 years ago. I was tutoring at UBC, which is the University of British Columbia here. And at the time, I wasn't actually um, studying to become an English teacher. I was studying music, and I just started to really fall in love with teaching. And I realized that it was something that just came very naturally to me, and I, I fell in love with the profession. And I decided to do my CELTA, which is actually where I met Faye when I was yes. <laughs> working at International House. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I just kind of fell into it naturally. And ever since then, I've been uh, working with specifically English proficiency tests, like a whole bunch of them, all the Cambridge tests and all the ones that you'd use for any immigration process. Mm -hmm. And what, what drew you to those tests? What, why did you decide to start teaching for a test specifically? To be totally honest, I, I got kind of thrown into it. Um, I had been teaching general English at a lot of the schools that I've been working at. It just happened that there was a semester where they were short on exam prep teachers. And I looked at my schedule and all of a sudden I was responsible for teaching CPE, CAE, FCE, and TOEFL. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they shoehorned in IELTS prep on top of it. And I remember going, oh my goodness, what are all these acronyms? And having to quickly understand and learn everything, like all this EFR, you know, the, the mm -hmm. standards and everything, and just understand the different frameworks, kind of the different tests. And it was a huge learning curve. And it was definitely a big change from teaching students general English to getting them prepared for a test, which obviously there is an overlap, um, but it, 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 there was a huge learning curve there. And then once I, I got a hang of it, I'm, I, I don't know, I just love teaching exam prep now. Awesome. Well, we know that now you, you focus a lot on helping students with those exams that are for immigration specifically to Canada. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what are some things that teachers don't think about or that they need to consider when preparing these students specifically that have these bigger goals in mind? Well, there's, quite a lot of things I would say. Um, one of them is that you'd have to stay abreast of the immigration policies. And I know that we're not immigration professionals, we're not lawyers, but it is important for us to stay on top of what's going on. And that's because there are so many different types of programs and streams and ways that people can come to Canada through provincial programs or federal, mm -hmm. federal programs. And within the federal programs, there's a bunch of different pathways or streams that they can come. And when someone contacts you, they'll usually come to you with a bunch of lingo and, you know, tell you mm -hmm. a little bit about their story. And if you don't understand a little bit about, I would say more than a little bit, if you don't thoroughly understand the processes and exactly what they're applying for, mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of shows that you don't really understand their needs yeah. and they won't trust you as much. So if you can quickly understand like, oh, yeah, I've heard, I understand that program or I, you, you understand the latest changes, it creates a sense of trust immediately. And mm -hmm. just awareness of what's going on. So I think that's mm -hmm. really important. But I mean, aside from that, understanding the immigration processes, you also have to understand that just what's at stake here. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these students, I would say all of them, they're planning on changing their lives and coming to Canada or studying abroad. Maybe they're not coming to Canada. Maybe they're taking the academic IELTS or the TOEFL to go to the States or to a European country. Um, it's a huge change and, and, it, and that can cause a lot of test anxiety. Mm -hmm. So when you're preparing a student for an exam, 
that is going to mean a life-changing decision. Be ready to be helping and supporting a student that is probably very anxious, very stressed out. um, And that can, you know, really affect their learning. Mm-hmm. They can, that can, but it really does affect their learning. Most students struggle with test anxiety and not everybody, we can't generalize, but it does affect their performance. And, and a lot of them do end up kind of venting in class. And you have to be, I, I would say a little bit open to hearing a little bit of their, their personal gripes and, and mm-hmm. what they're going through. And if that doesn't make you feel comfortable, then maybe exam prep is not the right fit because they will eventually tell you how they're feeling in class, how stressed they're feeling about the prep or how frustrated they're feeling about it. Maybe they've taken the test tons of times and you've got to be ready for that and to be there supporting them. And I think mm-hmm. that emotional support is a huge part of an exam prep class. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just to kind of build on that a little bit, Maria, um, how do you deal with the, the frustration and the anxiety of students if they miss their target score by a fine margin? Because we know with these um, programs, especially for immigration, you know, the, the margins are so fine and the points yeah. are so fine. So how do you deal with that as a, as a teacher and kind of as a guide? Well, one uh, thing that I've chosen is like, I, I personally don't teach group classes and, and that's, that's an intentional decision. I, I, I want to have that one-on-one connection with my students. Um, I feel like in a group class, there's nothing against a group class. It's just, I feel like in a group class, I wasn't able to really connect and understand each student's needs and give them that personalized feedback and guidance. And in a one-on-one mm-hmm. class, I found that students were uh, open to, more open to telling me, you know, what's going on. And, and a lot of them come to me and tell me their emotional barriers, like what's going on with, like in, in their personal lives, or they tell me a little bit more about maybe like some sort of struggle that they're facing with their, you know, immigration process or like the trauma they face with their English. Maybe someone's made fun of them at school about their English or they feel ashamed about learning. And I just listen to them and we talk, we talk about it. It, it kind of feels like a, I'm like a therapist in English and I'm by no means <laughs> professional in that, in that field. Um, but it does create a sense of um, like they, we build a rapport when we're mm-hmm. in class and when they when you build that rapport with the student they feel so much more comfortable with you they tend to relax and then they perform better they start to actually speak now mm-hmm. I understand that when they go to a test they're not going to have that rapport with an examiner so mm-hmm. I mean obviously that won't translate directly to a test ex- test environment but you can get them to start producing a lot more than what I would say in in a group environment where they might be um, feeling a little bit shy, you know, mm-hmm. in a group environment, they might not want to speak up, especially in an online setting where they're just a box on Zoom. Yeah, very true. Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting because like you said, if, if, you, if you have a group class, they all have different motivations, although all of your students seem to want to immigrate, they might mm-hmm. have different um, filters and things going on in the background. So I mm-hmm. guess that's a really good uh, point. Um, now, in terms, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And in a group class, I think everyone might start at this with the same objective, but life changes and our schedules kind of, you know, get in the way. And mm-hmm. I think that some people might fall behind. And those students, if they fall behind, it's hard as a teacher to kind of keep up with them. Mm-hmm. And with the personalized class or, you know, one-on-one setting, you can adapt things a lot easier. You can, you can tailor the mm-hmm. session according to what they need. So I think that in a, in a situation where they're experiencing anxiety as it is, it's, it's mm-hmm. important to be flexible and to mm-hmm. help them with what they need. 
Yeah, we talked about this as well uh, in one of our previous episodes when we talked more specifically about uh, teaching for exams, not necessarily for immigration. And we talked a bit about um, expectations, right? Student expectations. And um, in your case, apart from expecting a lot from their Mm -hmm. language uh, improvement skills and all that, uh, how do you uh, go about setting their expectations in terms of their immigration and their process? Well, expectations is actually uh, one of the challenges that I've been facing as of late, especially because a lot of people, I would say most underestimate the tests. Mm -hmm. Either they're underestimating the test or they're overestimating their English. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. exactly what happens with each person, but Mm -hmm. most people contact me, let's say a week before their test. Mm -hmm. And they think that I can, you know, wave a magic wand and boost their band score right away. Mm -hmm. And I'm very transparent and honest. So what I usually do initially is I, you know, I I, I do an initial assessment to see where they're at. And the average, you know, proficiency level is usually like intermediate level. I mean, let's say that's usually where people kind of plateau, like B1 ish, some people might get a B2. But most people need a band seven, or or at least like C1 advanced proficiency on these tests to to merit some sort of, um, you know, getting accepted at a college, Maybe they can mm-hmm. get a band six, but like if they want to immigrate, they usually have to get a pretty high band score to be competitive. And what happens is they're usually about one or two proficiency levels away from their goal. Mm. And that's where the tough conversation comes in, where mm-hmm. I have to be very gentle and honest and, mm-hmm. and tell them like, look, we, are, we can get there together and we can definitely work towards that goal, but it's not going to happen in a week. Right. And some people don't want to hear that and they never talk to me again. And <laughs> they think and the problem is you. <laughs> they think that, I, that that's okay. Like I can't, I'm not going to take on uh, the responsibility of somebody who, um, you know, thinks that they can improve two proficiency levels, like you boost their band score by two proficiency, like but from a band five to a band seven, for example. Let's just give you this example. Um, in a week, it's just not mm-hmm. feasible and, and it's not realistic. These tests aren't uh, cookie cutter tests and, and, and they are testing somebody's true proficiency level. Mm-hmm. I think people assume that they're a scam or that they're a myth, like that, that they can just memorize expressions and, mm-hmm. and, and learn off of like a YouTube channel just by memorizing expressions and that's all they need, but it's not. Right. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that's really good advice because like we, we mentioned earlier, but before we started recording, you know, there is so much bad advice out there. And oh again, gosh. students that, you know, they, they want to find information, they want help. So mm. a quick Google search might bring up 10 results and mm-hmm. maybe eight or nine of those results are totally leading students down the wrong path. So exactly. yeah, it's, well, it's really you, difficult. I can give you an example of a, um, a very honest conversation I had with somebody recently. Obviously, I'm not going to say their name, but uh, this particular candidate or uh, student contacted me literally on a Sunday and her test was the following Saturday. Wow. And she was really, really like stressed and contacted me on a Sunday on Instagram. And I managed to fit her in for lessons with me every day, Monday through Friday. Wow. But I was very transparent with her. Like, look, you're at B1, like you're at intermediate proficiency and you need C1 advanced. You're two proficiency levels away. I can take a look and see what's going on, but we're not going to get you to see one advance in five days. And I told her that from the beginning. And I'm like, I'll, I'm more than happy to help you, but only if you're, if you understand that's the situation mm-hmm. from the go, like from the get go. So we did the five classes. And at the end, 
she kind of turned it around on me again. And she was like, oh, I thought I would have by now. And I'm like, well, that's not the case. And then at the end, because she was preparing for the cell tab, she's like, okay, what do you think if I switch to the IELTS? And I said oh. to her, that's not going to make a difference. There's no point in switching from this. Even worse now, because she said, test. oh, I, I saw an IELTS test available next week. What do you think about switching to the IELTS? Can we do the IELTS prep for a week? And I just said to her, look, I'm not going to accept, like, I'm not going to put you in my schedule next week for IELTS prep. It doesn't make a difference if you take the IELTS or the CELPIP. Like, they're both proficiency tests. And yes, they have similarities and there are big differences in format. And I mean, I, I talk about this all the time on my webpage, on my feed, and all that stuff. And <laughs> and I have people ask me this all the time, like, which test is easier? Right. Yeah. That's not really the right question you want to ask. Or, yeah, right? it's the mindset, it's the mindset, isn't it? Of, you know, there isn't, it's not about which test is, is easier or perceived to be better than the other. It's, you know, are you ready? Are you prepared? Is your exactly. level sufficient enough to be able to take the test mm -hmm. to achieve yeah. the score you want? And yeah. I just had to tell her, I'm like, look, it doesn't matter if you switch to the IELTS, your proficiency level is just not there yet. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have to study a little bit more and improve your overall proficiency to, to get there. And that's not going to happen in five more days. Mm -hmm. She never responded. It's, yeah, it's, it makes <laughs> yeah. sense. I think and I, I've been in that situation so many times as well, Maria, where, you know, depending because, you know, there's different uh, context culturally or, you know, uh -huh. whatever they might be used to in the past. And some students have never been told no. Some students exactly. have never been told you can't do this or you can't buy this or you can't mm -hmm. find a shortcut. You just have to work through it. Um, this actually kind of ties into the next thing I wanted to ask you, Maria, and it's about costs and fees because I, you know, I work with students from all ranges of the spectrum in terms of backgrounds, nationality, in terms of their mm -hmm. socioeconomic situation. So, would you say the cost of these tests is fair and reasonable for students? And, you know, there's a huge amount on the line for them. So right. how do you work with, with those financial, um, you know, parameters? Well, I mean, I, I think that at the end of the day, if somebody prepares for the test properly and they take it once, maybe twice, then it's not that unfeasible if they prepare for it properly. What happens is, and what I see happen more often than not, is that somebody doesn't want to invest in a, in proper test prep and mm -hmm. they, they depend on random google searches um random youtube channels that are totally leading them in the wrong direction guiding them with memorized expressions guiding them with hacks and tips and tricks that actually will shoot them in the foot and then they go to the test and they use all these magic tricks that, you know, they've been told will magically get them that CLB9 or that band seven or whatever it is that they need. And then they have to keep taking the test over and over again. So that's where things get expensive. Cause I have right. people contact me all the time saying I've taken the test seven, eight or nine times. So not only does that get ridiculously expensive, it's extremely mm -hmm. stressful, extremely right. stressful. And then that just increases their test anxiety because Oh, Every yeah. time they take the test, they're more and more anxious and frustrated. Right. Now, yeah. in terms of how much the test costs, like I obviously the British Council on IDP and, and in Paragon testing uh, or like all the TOEFL and the Cambridge University, I don't understand exactly all the back end logistics of mm -hmm. all the pricing. So I can't speak on that, on, mm -hmm. but whether or not it's a fair price. But I mean, obviously, they've got to pay all their staff, fair price, all fair salaries and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say exactly if the pricing of the test is fair, but I can say that if people prepare properly, they shouldn't have to take the test more than once or twice. Right. Like, yeah. Twice I can understand. Like maybe the first time they got really nervous or they didn't, maybe they tried the test without preparing and then they realized, oh, after the first time, oh yeah, hmm, maybe I should prepare. That's okay. 
But if they're just being stubborn and preparing and like taking the test five, six or seven times without preparing properly, yeah. then yeah, then I don't think it's yeah. worth the It's money. tough because it's all about perceived value for them, right? for mm -hmm. everyone. But yeah, students think that, okay, the test costs however much 500 bucks for me to take. Yeah. Um, for with 500 bucks, I'll get this many lessons. Oh, I'll just take the test. And if I don't pass it, I'll yeah. take it again. Exactly. But then they end up doing it again and again. And, and like you said, it just gets worse. Yeah. They don't get better at it. If just taking the test more times doesn't yeah. make you better at it, just makes exactly. you more nervous I've, about it. I, that's a really good point, Faye. I've had this, I probably had this same conversation more than a hundred times mm. on various you know, platforms, groups where someone says, I got a 6.5 in writing. I'm going to pay for reassessment. I was unlucky or I'm going to take the test again because <laughs> it was bad luck. And I'm, and I'm just thinking and the amount of times when people say, should I go for it? And I'm like, well, you can, but you have no control over that situation. Exactly. Whereas why didn't you invest that 300 bucks if we're for, let's say, for example, why do you invest that 300 bucks in a writing course or one-to-one -one <laughs> writing feedback and tuition? And then that Absolutely. way, the next time, you know exactly what your errors are, you know exactly what the issues are, you know what to focus on, what to improve, mm -hmm. and you get that feedback. So next time you don't have to rely on luck, even though it isn't luck. Again, it's a mindset mm -hmm. thing, isn't it? And it's positioning things in the right way for students. Yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. It's really because difficult. it's work, right? It's work for yeah. them. Getting right. more classes, it's more work for them. Exactly. I think like there's some, Faye, you said something that's like a perceived pricing. Like, I feel like there's a bit of a distortion in our industry about what our services are worth as well as English yes. teachers. Mm -hmm. um, that's like, I mean, I mean, you meant, I, I don't know if this is exactly on topic of what you were asking about the pricing of the test itself, but in terms of pricing our services as English teachers and professionals, as an exam prep, professional i mean the and the number of hours and training that right uh, we go we go through to become mm -hmm. english teachers and to become people like to become teachers specialized in exam prep it's just it's just it's like i can't even count it and, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's just so much time and investment and, and yeah and commitment and the additional time you spend prepping a class and the additional time you spend supporting the student and the additional pressure that you feel because you know that this person's family's like whole future is on the line right. as well exactly. and so it, it to be totally transparent i do get quite offended when people come to me and they're like oh yeah but i saw so-and-so charging 15 dollars an hour yeah. on craigslist yeah. i'm like well then go to so-and-so i'm not so-and-so on craigslist i'm right I've been doing this for a long time and i'm very passionate about what i do and i know that i can make a difference and mm -hmm. and i will take care of you with like i will really invest my time and energy in each and every one of your sessions with me i'm not mm. somebody who's gonna take your money and just run and go and That's i think it's sort of i don't know what it is what's going on with our industry but i feel like it's getting a little bit devalued i don't know if it's always been like this or if it's the pandemic but i feel like as of late i've been getting a lot of people um kind of you know haggling a little bit more and i and i it's maybe because of social media or mm. maybe it's like they're I don't know what it is. I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? I, I think yeah. that's a great point. I, sorry, I, just to um, just to give you my two cents on that, Maria. Um, yeah. I generally just say, this is the pricing. These are my testimonials. These are results that I've got. Mm -hmm. This is, mm -hmm. you know, essentially, and I think this is a great message for our listeners. You know, don't ever settle for less than you're worth. Exactly. And, exactly. Because if you start to slide even just 5%, then the next mm -hmm. person might expect that. And exactly. I think, I think the problem is right now, Maria and, and Faye as well, is because because there's so many students wanting to learn English and a lot of them just want to learn English and they're used to getting things for free. So when you turn around and say, I can help you, but it's going to cost you this, or, mm -hmm. you know, I can offer you this, 
they're very reluctant to spend because all of us, I mean, with other things in life, you know, but we're the generation that grew up downloading music for free, maybe illegitimately watching <laughs> movies when we should have been paying these kind of things, for yeah. example. Um, yeah. And we get into that mindset. So when it comes to education, we don't perceive it as worth yeah. as much as other things. And the other issue as well with that is, and I've had this conversation five or six times with students, like the messages I'm sure you get where the test costs $300. So mm -hmm. you can take the test and hope and pray that you've you've got everything right and you're ready and you're going to get the score that you want. Or you can spend that money to prepare yourself, you know, mm -hmm. see, see your areas where you need to improve, get the feedback, get the guidance, get the advice and, and do it properly. But exactly. again, some people still don't want to do that. It ends up yeah. being way cheaper to prepare properly the first time than taking the yeah. test tons of times. And one thing I say to people when they do... Um, ask for like you said you, aside from sending reviews and and um just valuing your worth mm -hmm. i always say to people as well we charge the same price for the same for the same services for everybody i don't think it's fair to charge one price for one person and another for another yeah that's person. true mm -hmm. that's not fair like what if then the person finds yeah. out hey why did they get charged yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, i yeah. get charged why that's not cool so yeah. yeah, I don't think it's fair. Everyone should pay the same price and, and it should be based on what your experience and your qualifications, whatever you see that as fit. And yeah. Nobody should judge you for that. And it, and yeah, that's, that's, that's just curious about what you There's one thing, um, uh, a, a piece of advice I got when I just started out teaching, this was like back many years ago when I was in Brazil and I had no teacher training, but I... Um, I knew a teacher who was very good and I, I, I uh, had a chat with him and he said, okay, first thing you need to remember you don't want to be known as the cheap teacher. Mm -hmm. You want to be known as the good, the great teacher, the one that will get students to where they want to go mm -hmm. and to achieve their, their goals. And that really stuck with me. It's like, I, I don't want somebody recommending me because they're like, oh yeah, yeah, go have classes with Faye. She's, she's really cheap. Yeah. But I want them to go and say, go have classes with Faye because she helped me incredibly or she got me to the band I needed. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good lesson for, for our listeners as well. If, providing if you're just quality, starting out. Providing yeah. quality. And yeah. not, and it's, not, it's, it's yeah. you. It's your name that you're going to be building, exactly. right? That's your brand. Exactly. So. And if we yeah, provide that, the price should be irrelevant, really. It shouldn't yeah, exactly. be a, a huge issue. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. what I focus on. And, and I feel like yeah. maybe the pandemic has kind of shifted the terrain a little bit in the sense that there's so many, there's so many more people out there Um teaching and I feel like maybe because there's a lot of people who haven't had their teaching certifications they they assume that because they teach English they speak English fluently that they can teach really nearly online and they make an extra buck but that's mm -hmm. not as, as you guys know I mean, we're all professionals in this so it's not yeah. really the case. and then we get compared to that but we know that that's not the case so that, yeah. anyway I, maybe I went off a town a tangent no there. no no that's a <laughs> it's a really valid useful point and, and like you said there's so many there's so many teachers out there but that doesn't necessarily mean there's so many good teachers this is a great opportunity now to differentiate yourself and and show well, what makes you maybe a better fit than some of those yeah. teachers not saying they don't have their, their place in in the in the mm -hmm. market no, of course they no, do but sure. it just depends on on um mm -hmm. you yeah. know what you offer and what makes you different to everyone else exactly. um all right so um in terms of the actual preparation and, and getting yeah. things ready for the exams, what do you think is one element of the test that many students neglect to focus on? Oh, well, this really does depend on the student. Some students struggle more on the receptive skills than the productive skills, especially for those who need like a CLB9 on the IELTS or they really struggle on getting that band eight on the listening test. But I would say most students, they don't uh, prepare for the writing test efficiently and mm -hmm. they assume that they can uh, depend on 
hacks and tips and tricks, tips and tricks off the internet, instead of really honing in on and working on improving their general overall fluency. Because uh, I'll give you a simple, um, and, uh, and, and I, like something I see all the time. People try to shoehorn in really advanced vocabulary or Lexus into their responses, mm-hmm. uh, assuming that, oh, if I add this very flowery academic Lexus and language into my response, that I'm automatically going to get a higher band score. But if that language is used incorrectly or inappropriately, it actually looks against them. And so people have to, the students or candidates have to actually use the language appropriately and in the right context. So that's where I think students struggle more. They try to force themselves to be where they're not by using, depending on memorized expression or, um, you know, cookie cutter lines to Mm -hmm. get them a higher band score when in truth, that actually can lower their band score because a trained professional in this field can quickly identify when somebody is depending on language that's not theirs, which ultimately just shows us that, hey, this person's not ready yet. This person needs to depend on Lexis that's not theirs to get their point across. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, there's a, that's the reason why these uh, exams are the ones used for immigration purposes, right? They are not, uh, they're tests that should test you as a f- full speaker in all, all aspects of your communication and it has to be natural. So that makes total sense. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. actually It's actually incredible how simple and how basic you could write a, a response for task mm-hmm. one and task two and still achieve a seven. Um, mm-hmm. You just have to, you know, you just have to make sure that the fundamentals and the basics are there and that you follow mm-hmm. the band descriptors, the public band descriptors, which are available. You can follow those. If you study yeah. those as your Bible, so to speak, yeah. and make sure that you, you know, you're, you're consistently following them, then you can achieve a seven with a pretty, not basic, but a, a fairly, you know, succinct, detailed, developed, but not too advanced level. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think it's definitely possible. The public, the public band descriptors, um, they do have some jargon that could intimidate um, mm-hmm. a test taker or a candidate. So I would encourage, um, you know, I know, I know that your listeners aren't students, but I mean, as a teacher, I think that it's important to support your student with those band descriptors in the class yes. and, yeah. and then try and, and simplify that language. So when they go, right. oh, what does lexical resource mean? You go, hey, that just means vocabulary. Vocabulary, right. Yeah. So try to kind of explain <laughs> to them what these yeah. terms mean to help them not feel so intimidated because they're already in a bit of a scary environment preparing for these tests. Yeah, that's a good point. Break it down for like, what is a collocation? What Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Or what is an idiomatic expression? Trying to uh, give them examples of these terms in the public band descriptors. Of course, those public band descriptors can be found on any of these websites. Same with the CELPIP. Um, You can find the performance standards on their website. You can explain to them exactly how they're going to be assessed. Now, of course, um, it takes a lot of uh, training and prep as a a teacher to understand those band descriptors and performance standards. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's, that's... perhaps part of it yeah yeah part of the whole the whole gig well you've given lots of really good uh, practical tips and advice here uh is there anything you would want to leave our listeners with as a final piece of advice for teachers who are considering teaching these exams for immigration um yes definitely be prepared to study a lot outside of the class to really understand how the candidate is or your student is going to be assessed it's even though you know at the end of the day, your student will have to improve their overall 
English fluency, there is a component of understanding the assessment criteria or the performance standards or how they're going to be tested. Mm -hmm. And if you don't understand that, let's say a matrix or the rubrics and how they're going to be assessed, it's, it's hard to teach them as a whole. Mm -hmm. You want to kind of support them in a, in a more complete way. Mm -hmm. And also be prepared for some test anxiety and to be there to support them throughout that journey. Great. Yeah. Um, and if, if that might not make you feel comfortable, I have, you know, I, I have met some teachers that just don't like that part of it where they feel like students complain or they vent a lot in class and maybe yours won't. In my experience, most of mine do. Um, and that's just part of it. And I actually like it because I feel like I can provide them that emotional support mm -hmm. and be there for them when they're like hold their hands while they're going through that. Process. that's great yeah. yeah so and just really be prepared to study a lot to understand the performance standards in and out and to provide them that really detailed feedback mm -hmm. and those personalized corrections will make all the difference so that your students can get the results they need great advice yeah, yeah. and if possible maybe take the test yourself that really helped me a lot mm -hmm. yeah that does help because then you can understand their experience and the test experience, yeah. as well. the test environment makes a big difference mm -hmm. as well. It is, yeah, it really opened my eyes to that. That was great. Thank you so much, Maria. I learned so many things as I'm sure our listeners did too. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, I really appreciate you taking out the time to talk about you know, your expertise and knowledge. Um, I'm sure our listeners can take a lot away from this. Thank you. Yeah, I hope yeah. that you guys have fun. And oh, if there's one last thing I could say is like try to um, not encourage, like to avoid teaching memorized stuff like really get your mm -hmm. students to be as natural as possible natural right. speaking natural okay. writing is yes important. and how can our listeners get in touch with you maria if, you, if they want to connect after this yeah episode? they can find me um, my school is called english for canada we're specialized in Canadian immigration you can find us at englishforcanada.com for is f-o-r and we have an instagram page and youtube channel english.for.canada on instagram and YouTube, you can find us at English for Canada. So we've got a blog and fun YouTube channel. We post a lot about Canadian culture and lifestyles mm -hmm. and Canadian accents. I mean, I've got a Vancouverite accent. That's where I was yeah. born and raised. Um, yeah. I don't know how like, thick of a Canadian accent I've got, but apparently I've got one when I go to the States. People make fun of me a little bit, but <laughs> I, I don't notice it. <laughs> I guess you guys can be better judges of that. <laughs> no, I definitely recommend uh, people follow you on Instagram as well. It's really, really um, useful and enlightening yeah. for people who want to come here. And Great. yeah, and, I, and uh, my goal is to always be transparent and honest with people. I don't, uh, I don't want anybody to take the test and feel stooped into memorizing stuff. I want always people to feel supported and to get the truth when they're preparing. So yeah, if you guys need any Great. tips or anything, just message me. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having you. me. Thanks for joining Pleasure. us. Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you again, Maria. Thanks everyone for listening to our episode today. And remember to subscribe to receive the latest episodes each Wednesday. You can follow us on Instagram at ESL Talk Podcast, or you can send us an email to esltalkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Learning with Faye. Or you can find me at I'm Daniel Teacher. Um, that's all we have time for this week. Be sure to join us again next week for another brand new episode of ESL Talk. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.